Caesar, Caesar Augustus issued a decree from this that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favour rests. Amen. Hello, hello, hello. Um, thanks for getting me up here um, today. Thanks to Ross again for interviewing. I wasn't expecting some of those questions, so I was a bit, I don't know if I sounded excited enough. I, I am really excited about everything that's been happening this year at church. Um, it's, for some of you who don't know me, um, Providence started about three years ago, and we only started with 10 people. We came to Brisbane and tried to gather people who wanted to be on mission with us in Sunnybank, and it was this crazy idea. And, um, and just seeing these 10 people gather uh, every week we went to church thinking, who's going to show up? Um, but now we're in our third year and we see about 50 people, 50 regulars coming together every week. And that's not even the most exciting part. The most exciting part is every week we're always seeing people who aren't believers in our, in our congregation, people who want to know about Jesus. That's what's been exciting about this year in our third year. Um, getting ordained is, is good and all, but um, seeing people come to faith and want to know about Jesus, um, that's the mission we've been on and that's been really exciting. So hopefully I was expressive about that and hopefully you could see that um but yeah let the, there's a lot to celebrate this year and let's get into this um i'm going to pray for us and then we're going to watch a short video let's pray father we do thank you so much for your your grace that's been shown to us we thank you so much for your word that you you speak to us through it and we pray Lord, as we hear from it today that your spirit will convict our hearts it'll work in our hearts uh helping us to to see you and to know you to know you clearer. We pray that your spirit will, will move our hearts to convicting us of our sin, helping us to, to want to live and, and worship you and, and bring glory to your name. And so as we do that today, Lord, as we hear from your word, you'll help me to speak and speak faithfully to him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I never told Hallo Papa, ich bin. Ich wollte nur kurz anrufen und dir Bescheid geben. Wir werden es Weihnachten dieses Jahr wieder nicht schaffen. Wir versuchen es nächstes Jahr und dann klappt es ganz bestimmt. Fröhliche Weihnachten, Papa. Bis bald. Fröhliche Weihnachten, Opa.
There goes a day, there goes a week So many goals I had to reach The more I did, the less I cared The more I missed the love you've shared If life is a song, somehow it's sad I don't know the words without your dad You've been on my mind all the time And I miss saying you Used to be just some walls that I know, but the truth is that home means nothing without you. Wie hätte ich euch denn sonst alle zusammenbringen sollen? speak German here. That was all in German and uh, it was just this, this picture of a uh, family coming together during Christmas time and it, it comes at the right. It was, it was a video that was on YouTube that went viral last year and as you saw in that video this elderly man lonely at Christmas time faking his death really and getting his family together so they could celebrate Christmas together. There's smiles and <clears throat> hugs of relief when they know that grandpa's still alive. And if you, um, if you do understand German, or if you don't understand German, uh, towards the end when he came out and, he, uh, and the family saw him, he said, how else do I get you all together for Christmas? There's an interesting video, as, as we watch as it's a commercial, at the end you see that um, the slogan come up and you see this, this, the words Adika flash on the screen. Adika is a, a German supermarket, and that's the brand that's being advertised. Adika wants the customers to associate their brand with positive feelings, like we're, we're broken down in this and we're sad before we're built up again. And it's so interesting, isn't it? We want to thank Adika for that. We want to thank Adika. We want to associate happiness and joy and positive feelings with that brand, that tagline. And it's meant to psychologically stick with us, even if that ad has nothing to do with the supermarket itself. Let's be honest. This is how we're to see the Christmas season, aren't we? How it's marketed to us today. We, we in the West, we instantly associate with season of happiness and joy. In the commercial, it came at the right time. It, it comes during Christmas time. Christmas is family coming together. A Christmas tree. Exchanging gifts. Lots and lots of food. And the result? A group of people with smiles on their face. Joyful celebration. That's the ideal, isn't it? That's the dream. Forget work, forget all the, the activities. Let's go home. Let's find solace in, in food and family and festivities. I remember as a child, Christmas was the best time of the year. You get loads of presents. It's not even your birthday. You just get free presents. It's like your birthday comes twice. And being in a big family myself, I have five sisters. I got lots of presents. And I, I know as an adult now, it's, uh, when Ross was asking me, what do you like about Christmas? I was going to say presents, but I'm giving presents all the time now. But it's still exciting, isn't it? Going shopping for presents, going out and buying secret Santas for your work colleagues. I mean, if it's not presents, we look forward to that summer-soaked Christmas here in Australia. We, we enjoy the idea that we can 
hit, hit the beach, take a few days off when the offices close. We can light up the, the barbecue and chill out on the deck with the beer in hand. We get to slice up the Christmas ham, get the mates around, read a book, take lots and lots of naps. I mean, that's bliss, isn't it? I know all of you are looking forward to that. And we see the commercials on TV, the decorations in our shopping centers, the, the presents under the Christmas tree, the food in the fridge, the, the, all, that, all that food and the time with family coming into town, all anticipating one thing. It's a sense of happiness, a sense of peace, really a sense of blissful joy that comes with the Christmas season. That's what we anticipate. So no matter what kind of year you've had with all its ups and downs, Christmas is that one time of the year where you get to experience joy. And so you go to Adika and you shop and you buy their products and Christmas will be exciting for you. For one day this year, you want things to be perfect. You want to unveil the Christmas ham, unwrap the perfect gift, find the perfect parking spot at Westfield and spend it with the perfect family. Truth is, the 10 days leading up to Christmas, there are 100 things to do. You have a lot of work Christmas parties, you have family gatherings, there are traffic jams in the car park, credit card debts, stress, finding that perfect gift that has meaning. For some of us, Christmas is just busy. We look at our schedules and we get anxiety from the thought of having to attend another Christmas function, buy another present, prepare lavish meals and attend loud and messy family gatherings all the while trying to wrap up work for the year. Christmas is a time when we're too stressed out to give a quality time to the people we love. Or if we do, we're spending it with family that we don't really even know. Hugs and kisses from aunties and uncles that we've never met. And family can be sometimes exhausting. And don't get me wrong, I love my family. <laughs> or maybe you just feel like Christmas is, is a big waste of time and money. We spend so much money at Christmas time, don't we? From the little things to to fairy lights that we want to decorate our house with, tinsel and, and Christmas trees, to the, to the big ticket items like gifts and holidays. And it's good. It's spend time on each other, spend money on each other, buy nice things. But how often are we just buying things for the sake of buying something, right? Another, another Kris Kringle present, another, two, another thing from the $2 shop, another stuffed toy, another book for the shelf, or another candle for our candle collection. We all have that, right? Christmas just ends up a time when we accumulate more stuff, more stuff that just ends up on the shelf and eventually at the rubbish tip. What's the point, sometimes we think? Now for others, and like we, we saw in that video, Christmas is just, it's just lonely. Not many of us here um, might have felt the way that that grandpa felt in that video, but maybe it's that time of year you, you do scroll through your Facebook feed perhaps and you long to be part of a big happy family group photo. The one time of year uh, you miss your parents who live overseas or interstate. A loved one who's passed away. And sadly, my brother-in-law was just in Sydney last week at uh, his father's funeral. That's how he's thinking through this Christmas season. That's what he's going through. Maybe the one you love is sick in hospital and you spend Christmas days surrounded by white walls and people in white scrubs. Or maybe you're single or newly single and you wish you had someone to share joy with because Christmas can be incredibly lonely. Now, some of you might be thinking, Mikey, you need to stop. You're, you sound like the Grinch. You're the guy who really hates Christmas. I love Christmas. And I know many of you love Christmas as well, and for every good reason. Christmas can be an incredible time of love, laughter, gifts, and good food. 
And sometimes we wish Christmas Day and the, and the joy we experience could last forever. But I just want us to be real a little bit with this. Our joy, it climaxes, doesn't it, on Christmas Day? And then we have to accept reality. The tree comes down, the living room is covered in torn up wrapping paper, and family members, they fly home. And what the Adika commercial doesn't show is happy grandpa cleaning up the dinner plates, having to wait another 364 days before he can see his children and grandchildren again, and that's if they even visit the next Christmas. What's he going to do to get them to come again the next Christmas, you wonder? Christmas is a season of joy, but so often we feel so joyless because we've lost sight of the real story. We've traded the great story of Christmas with the story of buying and business and sales and stress. Or maybe it's more accurate to say we've traded the story of Christmas for the story of me and you, treating ourselves and hoping that the joy of the season will last. But if we're honest with ourselves, it's not just Christmas that we anticipate joy, is it? We want joy in all of life. We all believe we have the God-given right to the pursuit of happiness and joy. If we just pursue it in our lives, we can obtain it. And our culture and our society tells us that. And I think, I believe that that's, that's natural. God, given us, God has given us hearts that long and desire for joy. We're hardwired for joy. And so it's only natural to seek after it, to chase after it, to pursue it in our lives. But why is it? Why is it that the joy we keep chasing after, why is it so transient? Why is it so fleeting? I find it so fascinating that our, our Christmas cards today, the marketing in our shops and on the streets, they still say, peace and joy this Christmas. When I was living in Sydney, there were banners on the streets that said, have a very merry. And they took the word Christmas out of the banner. Because they, but there's this still expectation. There's this expectation of joy and merriment this season. It's interesting. And Christmas, it comes and goes, and the joy is just short-lived. The holidays are short-lived, and the gifts, the material things we accumulate, go from trash to treasure after a few years. The same family members that give us joy are also sometimes the same people who know how to push our buttons the most. What if I told you today that the Christmas story is the best story because it's a story of humans receiving everlasting and transcendent joy? It's more than just the emotion of happiness, one that kicks in with the endorphins. Christmas is a story of a joy that doesn't just come around at Christmas time, when there's food, presents, or family, but a joy that surpasses every other joy that we can pursue in this life. The Bible text that was read for us was from the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament, and he records for us really the excitement the excitement of the, the best story ever, the original, the greatest Christmas on earth. Jesus was born into the world in a lonely manger. And so we've got our shepherds out in the fields. They're watching their sheep. And what happens? We have the angel of the Lord appearing. God's messengers there delivering great news of great joy. Verse 9, if you're following along in your Bibles. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. What makes the birth of Jesus so great? Eternal, everlasting, great joy has come to the world for all people. Sure, in this part of the Bible... 
He's just a baby. He's not doing anything amazing, probably crying, probably pooping, probably drinking breast milk, whatever. But we've got angels talking and singing about him, about this baby. We have shepherds and, and, and wise men wanting to see him and bring him gifts. This isn't just some baby, is it? What makes Christmas so great is this. Jesus came into our world. He really lived and he really died and he was really raised again to life. It happened in history. And here the Bible says, through him great joy has come to the world for all people. Let's think about this for a moment. We often think joy comes to those who deserve it, who have been good people, who have been nice. We look at joy being given to those in the way Santa gives presents to good children, not naughty children. So we write out a mental list of the good things we've done. And we believe joy is deserved. And so we treat religion, we treat calm our belief system in the same way that Santa Claus was hoping, in the, hoping that we've been good, I'll receive the joy that I deserve. If I go to church on Christmas Day, if I give some of my money to charity, if I do random acts of kindness, surely God will grant me with the joy I deserve. So when things do go wrong, when there are days where our happiness and our joy are diminished, when that loved one is in hospital, or that relationship that your life is built upon falls apart, or we're struggling because of our work situation, our money situation, it's so easy, isn't it? So easy to get into a mindset that if I've been good, good things will happen. If I've been bad, then bad things will happen. Now, naturally, we do want to think of ourselves as good people. And if God exists, of course, God would be good to me. He would bring me joy, wouldn't he? But is that the God of the Bible? That isn't God. That's a Santa version of God. God doesn't work like Santa. See, the reality of being human means we are imperfect. No matter how much good we desire to do, we fail at doing good at times, right? If we were to put ourselves up against the God of the Bible, the, the, the God of the universe, the perfect, holy and good God, would we be even close to His standards of what is good? We always fall short, don't we? I mean, the Bible talks about humans as having this thing called sin, sin against God. Human sin affects us all, and by sin I'm not just talking about the, the stuff that we consider as bad, I'm talking about the, the natural instinct that we have, that we have to play God in our lives and to shove the true and living God in a box. And so sin itself isn't just morally bad things we do, it is that, but it's also, deep, at its root, the rejection of God Himself. And just as we would call a child who disregards their parents as a, as a brat, we're brat-like when we ignore God, when we disregard His existence. Sin is that relationship breakdown. It's the greatest offense of all. And our sin, it grieves God. Our sin, God has every right to, to ignore us in return because of it to cut off provision, allow us to go down a path of self-destruction. That's what we need to be rescued from. We need to be rescued from our sin, a hurt, damaged, broken relationship with God that we can't actually fix by our own means, no matter how good we think we are. See, the Christmas story says, today joy has been born to you for all people in Jesus. This joy is given to us in Jesus, the Messiah, the Saviour. He saves us from that sin. We, we aren't cut off from God because of Him. 
we're rescued and the broken relationship with God is restored. He is the gift at Christmas. When we receive that gift, we get joy. Regardless of who we are or what we've done in our lifetime, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're smart or not so smart, whether you're naughty or nice, God doesn't work like Santa. He works through grace. My pastor friend, Adam Ramsey, he blogged about this and he wrote this and he said, during Christmas, we need to hear this more than ever because when it comes to Santa, Santa says, earn it. Jesus says, receive it. Santa says, if you're good, you'll get my love. Jesus says, only my love can make you good. Santa makes a list and warns, I'll be checking it twice. Jesus fulfilled the list and declared, it is finished. Message of Christmas that every child and adult's heart longs to hear is not be good for goodness sake, but that Jesus was good for our sake. The gospel is an explosion of hope that brilliantly outshines the dull moralism of Santa. And do you see that at Christmas? We, we see the gospel. It's, it's a story of extravagant reconciliation and grace. In, in Jesus, through his life and death, his blood on the cross, he declares you and I as good before God. And it's only through him the one who was perfectly good, perfectly righteous before God, who substituted his life for ours. And in doing so, he takes away the very sin that separates us from God. And so when we do put our faith in him, we can now stand in the presence of God, not rejected, but accepted and adopted in a restored relationship with God. Do you see that, friends? We can now be in the presence of God himself. I mean, that's the good news of great joy that Christmas brings. I mean, tell me a greater story of joy in this world. That human beings can walk with and talk with directly and be in a relationship with the God of the universe. But you know what? Even I forget this sometimes. We all at some point have said, only if we had this, I'd be happy. If only we had more money, if only we had more possessions, if only we had a bigger house or a nicer car, if only we had more holidays, if only I had a relationship with that person, if only that person would treat me better, then we'd be happy. And we pin our happiness on things or on others, but we soon realize they don't deliver, they don't follow through, they don't last. The very people who give us happiness are often the people who disappoint us. Not to mention that over time, uh, friendships change. We put our hope of joy in things or people, but they often fail us. And I'll tell myself, I can't let that happen again. I will not let my happiness be determined by another person again. I won't let my happiness be determined by a new car that gets so easily scratched again. I won't let my happiness be determined by the look of my body again. And I need to tell myself this again and again. I can't find my joy in the circumstances around me because too often my circumstances change. That's not where I'm going to find lasting joy. That's not where I'm going to find joy in my times of, of depression, in the highs and lows of life. But there is one thing I can pin my hope of joy in. It's what we hear at Christmas. It's in what Jesus the Messiah brings us. He brings us a relationship. He brings us a relationship with 
with greatness. And we've got to think about this, because when we think about great people in our world, we think about the celebrities, we think about the wealthy. And if I could use an example, if I said that Taylor Swift was coming to Australia and you wanted to get tickets to Taylor Swift, what do you have to do to do that? You'd have to buy tickets that are quite expensive, right? But what if I said, what if you could get a dinner with Taylor Swift? What if you could have a one-on-one -on -one dinner with her, you could chat to her, you could hang out with her? How hard would that be? It would be pretty hard, right? You'd have to know someone who knows her, maybe a friend, a contact. It's near impossible, I'd have to say, for unless some of you here know her, to get an audience with her, to sit with her and eat with her. How hard it is to be in the presence of greatness in our world. You see, we have a relationship with greatness himself. This isn't just any relationship. Consider with me for a moment the things we get to enjoy in life. See, Taylor Swift, she gives us great entertainment and songs we can sing along to. But think about the things we get to enjoy in life, the special people we love. Clothing, food, money. When we think of the good, joyful, happy life, people who have made it, we think of those who get to enjoy those good things in life. But have you considered the giver of those good things? Imagine a relationship with the one who gives us all those gifts the giver of what we possess, the relationships that we get to enjoy. Imagine an eternal, lasting relationship with the giver, not just the gifts. Here's the greatest joy you and I can have, the pure joy in a relationship with the giver of it all, joy in knowing the one who was creative and powerful enough to speak the universe into existence. At Christmas, this is what we discover. We get to have God as our God and Father. We get a relationship with the God who knows us through and through, who forgives us of our faults and loves us in our brokenness and mess. A relationship with the perfect God who is good, faithful, generous, and never lets us down. Have you, have you realized that? Ever realized that? This joy goes far deeper and wider than the joys we'll experience in this fallen world we live in. It's lasting and it comes to you and I, all people through this baby on Christmas Day. The greatest Christmas on earth is all about the birth of Jesus. And for us to ignore the great gift of Jesus who brings us to God is essentially failing to grasp hold of and rejecting the joy we desperately seek and chase after in our lives. And so it makes me sad sometimes when I turn on the TV, and I remember this was on TV last year on, on Family Feud. I don't know if you watched that. But the question that was posed, posed on Family Feud was associated with Christmas. And, and after surveying 100 people, the top six answers were on the board. What do you associate with Christmas? Santa, Christmas tree, Christmas carols, food, family, presents. And you've got thousands of people watching this. And, and I was watching, I was just thinking, why isn't Jesus up there? They've surveyed over 1,000 people. How come no one said Jesus? And I find that incredibly sad, because while Santa, Christmas trees, carols, and food and presents, they give us a taste of joy, it doesn't last. Santa and all that he promises aren't, well, he's not even real, but he never satisfies, does he? And when we chase after an illusion, a temporary feeling, we, feel, we will, as humans made for joy, find ourselves wondering, when and where will we finally find eternal and everlasting joy that lasts, that won't change or disappear. At the heart of the Christmas story 
is a story of love, hope, redemption, and relationship. But we've somehow traded it with the story of sales, stress, and busyness. Christian joy begins with an experience of God's free grace in this baby Jesus that was born to us. It goes beyond the human emotion of happiness, the endorphins. It's more than just a feeling, a temporary season, the opening of of presence or the feeling of being loved by family and friends. Deep Christian joy is everlasting from this world to the next and for all eternity. The Christian gets to be with and united with the God who is the source of all joy. So regardless of who you are, what you've done or how long you've ignored the God of the universe, Christmas tells us that God wants a relationship with you too. He wants to bring you into the presence of eternal joy. This is the best and truest story you will ever hear. It's a truth that will not fade with time, that's not dependent on your performance or your works. It's a truth that will bring you joy, not just on Christmas Day, but every single day of the year, for many more years to come and into eternity. The only question is, will you take hold of the everlasting joy that's in Jesus? Let me pray for us. Father, Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that during Christmas we get to remember that joy was born to us in this baby. We thank you so much that through Jesus, through his death and his resurrection, we can now know you, that our sin has been atoned for, that we can have a relationship with you not only now, but also into eternity. And so we pray, Lord, as we consider the goodness of Christmas, the goodness of who you are, we'll remember, we'll grasp hold of the joy that we get to have through him, through Jesus, through the one that we get to have because of your grace. So we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.